Welcome back, everyone, to the last episode of Occasionalist in 2022. This is your host, Matt Pagel, along with the man, the myth, the legend, Adam Chemaluski. Chema, how you doing today, my man? Dude, really excited, man. Last episode of 2022, getting ready for my Christmas vacation, getting on a plane tomorrow. I'll be in uh, Cleveland and stuff, getting ready to I have a busy couple days when I get there, man. I'm telling you that. The fact that they flexed that Browns game to Saturday really screwed me over. <laughs> it really did. I had a nice window of time on Saturday to like kind of get some stuff done. Yeah, I was gonna go to the gym and everything. Like you know, like when I've been home, I've been like when I went back last time, I was at the gym for like ninety minutes to pop, like living the life I want to live, and. Um, they flex that game. I talked to my dad, and he's like, "Yep, just make sure you got to be here by one o'clock for uh, presents and uh, food and stuff, because we're gonna, you know, hang out and watch the game after." Right. And, yeah. And I'm like looking forward to, you know, seeing my dad and everything like that. But I'm just like that stupid flex again. I wanted them to bury the Browns on Sunday at one o'clock for the duration of the season, and this one time they flex, and it's like, man, they just knew how to. They knew how to really like put my put my vacation into a little bit of a tailspin you like but you know that as soon as there's no meaningful ncaa games that they're, they'll take up every available day they can uh and yeah. just like saturday yeah. we're doing it sorry folks browns browns ravens and saturday enjoy <laughs> enjoy watching uh the listless browns play the ravens 15th string quarterback Correct. And dude, they did the same thing last year with that Raiders game, but it, it got flexed to Saturday and then got canceled because of the, the coronavirus cases. Right. And then then got pushed to Monday at like four o'clock in the yep. afternoon or something. Like I was watching the game like um on my phone at my mom's house because I was like just self-quarantining because I, I had a, a friend who had a COVID exposure and I was like was too worried to like go anywhere until I like took a negative test and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was just like, it was just one of the most depressing sites in the world. Adam Shimbaluski on his Christmas vacation huddled up in this room. That is like nothing to get excited about size wise, watching the Browns game on my phone during vacation. It was great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, all right. So yeah, like we said, we're, we're at our final episode of the year. Um, and also just to sort of, um, you know, Chema's, I don't want to say Chuma's final episode with him, but certainly you're going to be taking a step back from the podcast oh, upcoming. Yes, yes, I will be. Uh, because everybody out there, you know, Matt and I, we talked about this before. We do not get paid to podcast. And, um, well, I mean, I get paid. I just, I don't give you any of the money. Yeah, that's right. You know, but that's a whole <laughs> other thing. Thank God I work in legal, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, the, uh, but, um, like a uh, long story short is um, some of the economic things that the country is experiencing. We are experiencing tenfold in California and uh, I got to like, it takes some time to kind of adult a little bit and stuff like that. And we got like, we, you know, our wedding and stuff like that. We were, um, we were getting ready to like, you know, get all that paid for. And then as soon as we have the wedding paid off, we're get to deal with moving, which is going to be a whole lot of fun. So one of the next times that I will be on, there's a good chance that I will either be coming at you from a new place or from a place that has got a bunch of boxes in it because we're getting ready to move. So that's always going to be uh, it's going to be fun, man. And uh, to save everybody the long and kind of boring conversation and repetitive about uh, L.A. rent prices, uh, everything you've heard is 100 percent true. And oh, my God, there is just so much more in terms of like rent and what's going on here now and 
places are even more through the roof than they were when Jess and I moved out here. Like it's, it's like the old West and it's pretty crazy. So I've got to adult it up for a little while. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Now, and you know, I I appreciate, and by the way, I already, already talked to him about this off air, obviously a long time ago. Um, yeah, surprise for everybody. He didn't know. He's yeah, lying. Yeah. The whole thing's a surprise. <laughs> um, you know, I, I appreciate you. You know, you like kind of getting out ahead of this as, as far as far as you could. Um, but also, I would have just lied and said that you were just going on a secret mission or something. Damn it! I had always, <laughs> I fucked that up. I could have made it sound really cool. That's yeah. right. Yeah, exactly. My yeah, my country needs me. I have to answer the call. Just be like really vague. <laughs> Yeah, I just watched Universal Soldier last night. So, like, you know, something like that could easily be like, hey, I'm donating my body to become a super soldier and stuff. You know, we'll see what happens next. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, uh, at, well, well, we'll get into more of this as as we as we close out. But uh, definitely appreciate your uh, your time co-hosting the show. I believe you're the. I believe um, you you eclipsed Dennis by quite a bit as like the as like my longest running co-host. By like at least oh, probably like by like at least like sixty seventy episodes. Oh, very nice! I'm going to make myself a little trophy. Exactly. That. exactly. That's, a, that, that's not too bad at all. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, for our last episode of, of this year, um, we are we are we are going to continue. Uh, I, I don't know. We don't know like right off the top. We know Chema's again. He's going to take a step back, but Chema is going to come back for episodes. One hundred percent to be sure. Um, you know, when that is, I'm going to assume post-wedding, post-moving would be like the earliest you're going to be coming back. I should, excuse me, I yeah. should say post, um, post-mission in Afghanistan, um, and <laughs> post-research outpost in Stockholm, uh, is when you're going to be coming back, um, more than likely. But we're going to go ahead with this coming year the same way that we did this year, where we're going to theme each month. However, this time we're going to do it as, instead of, last time I just kind of assigned us months, um, but this time we're going to do what we talked about. We're going to do it as a draft. So this episode, we are going to draft our months and we're going to go ahead with it. Just, we're going to pretend like Chum is there. And if he's not going to be there for a month, no big deal. I, I can, I can handle some version of that regardless. So we're going to be doing our first, possibly last, who knows, uh, occasionalist draft as we go ahead and set our agenda for the next year. Um, Chema, do you have, um, you know, let's do this right now. We're gonna we're gonna flip a coin. I'll read some rules here. We're gonna flip a coin to determine who goes first. Uh, Chama, you're the visitor. Why don't you go ahead and call it? All right, let's go with tails. Okay, one second here. Tails, it is. Uh, so you have the first pick. I just did it on an app, by the way. Um, oh, very nice. Because because <laughs> I realized I was sitting here. I'm like, I don't have any coins nearby um, without going to my car. So, so Chummy, you get the first pick in the draft, um, and I'll go over some rules here real quick. So, we're, we get to pick the month and the theme. So, like, it's not like you have to draft January and then wait again to, you know, to pick the theme. Like, you're just going to do it all in one fell swoop. Um, every single month is up for grabs, even May, July, October, and December, which are kind of predetermined months. Uh, especially May and October, obviously, are predetermined months. Um at the end of the draft, we'll each have one post-draft trade we can use. Uh, obviously, we have to agree to the deal, um, and we can, you know, we can trade months, we can trade themes. Um, I have, you know, just for example here, like I have um, extra themes I know that we're not going to use probably. Um, could be that could be your trade, right? You could say, hey, instead of this, why don't we do this? And you know, obviously, if 
that's agreeable. We go ahead and do it. Um, you could even you could even trade for control over a particular month. So if you have a really great idea that like for some reason I didn't think of, I might float you that trade. Like, hey, why don't we swap these months? Whatever it is. Um, so after now, after you do draft your month, just give some details about what you're thinking. You know, it doesn't have to be a full blown outline, but just the general gist of what you're thinking when uh, you know when you draft whatever month it is. Um, so that's, that's the general gist there. Um, Chema, do you have any questions about the rules? I do not. Those rules were presented very, very clearly and I totally got you, dude. We are all good. Perfect. Before we get to that, I do want to do a quick bit of cleanup from the last episode. Um, and, and I'll just ask you first, do you have anything that you wanted to touch back on, um, in our mega uh, beer interview episode? I do not, actually. I'm glad we got to discuss a lot of those topics and stuff, and I still stand by my Eskimo Callboys as Fuckboy being the song of the year, 100%. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah I, I was jamming it. It's definitely That's definitely a fucking good song. Um, I'm telling you, that song would be a number one single in the years 98 through 2002, easily. Yep, <laughs> yep. And, and as we mentioned before, they really are hindering themselves with their own band name. I know quite it's, a bit until I know I've seri- like that is there are very, very rare times where I can legitimately say that a band name is hindering somebody. And that is a major, major hindrance. Um, you just get so hard to take people seriously when you have a name like that, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But good song. Definitely worthwhile. I agree with you there. Um, so real Yeah. Just real quickly. Uh, so I was, I, I, I hope I didn't feel like I was like chastising you over the Afrofuturism thing with um, Stargate. I was seriously, personally flummoxed that I'd never thought about it as Afrofuturism before. And really, like, really was like just sort of like, holy shit, this could have been, had they, again, people from Egypt, um, you know, you go there now, even if you went there like 3,000, 4,000 years ago. Um, there are plenty of black people, but there's obviously people from the Middle East in Egypt too, simply because of its location. But yeah, they definitely kind of screwed up. Um, they definitely kind of screwed up the casting in Stargate when they probably should have had about half of a black cast at least. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like that would have that would have I think that would have sealed the deal as Afrofuturism. But again, it, it is one of those things that it's just like a legacy thing that's gone for, on in cinema forever, where you have a lot of especially especially early cinema, <clears throat> a lot of white people playing Egyptian people. And right. regardless of actual skin tone, like, they're not white people. That's for certain. Oh, right. It, definitely, dude. Yeah, no, one fucking... You're right about that, about white people playing Egyptians early on and stuff like that. And um, it's it's just interesting to me that... Uh, I, I don't really remember a lot of, like... Egypt science fiction movie crossovers and stuff like mm-hmm. it's just so Stargate to me was like this really interesting example and with Egypt being in Africa it's like it's just like does this sci-fi Egyptology you know are like uh, images of that, that we associate with Egypt like does this technically count as Afrofuturism and it's uh I thought we had actually had a really good discussion about. oh I think this. we did too yeah I just was like I it was one of those things I was just like holy shit, like I never thought about it. And I really think it is because of that sort of legacy of like what Egypt is like in media versus Mm -hmm. what it was, you know, what it really would have been like in, in history. Um, the the sort of whitewashing of it. Um, but I, yeah. So like Afrofuturism, I think it counts again. Like if you had, 
the only two substantial black people in that movie, uh, Jamon Hansu was one of the guards um, that gets killed towards the end, I believe. I believe in the third mm-hmm. act. And then there's like another guard who's a black guy who gets killed like towards the, the middle of the movie. And that's really it in terms of your substantial black characters in, in that movie. When it, if, again, like, while I think that Jay Davidson is unparalleled in, in this role as Ra, like, I, I really can't, after, like, I can't fathom anybody else playing that part, like, at all. Um, but had they chosen a black actor for Ra, I think that squarely would have put it right into Afrofuturism. That, it would be like a no debate thing. Yeah. You know, easily. Yeah, 100%, man. I totally understand what you're saying. Definitely. Yeah. But I, but upon further reflection, I kind of don't think it qu- quite reaches cyberpunk since we're sort of taking it out. Like, the def- by definition, you're right. But I think because we're taking it away from Earth, it kind of changes, at least for me, it kind of changes one of the ideas behind cyberpunk. That it, it, it is in sort of like an Earth, usually like an Earth sort of dystopia. Yeah, definitely. No, I can I can hear what you're saying on that all the way. And like it's it's one of those things where like when you look at the 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 basic element of like cyberpunk, which is that high tech low life, like it meets that, but there is this like dystopian element that's I guess maybe if you want to get down, it's like some real like hardcore debate stuff. Maybe that other planet was like somewhat dystopian, but it's still not Earth, you know. Yeah. And there's usually like there's usually some like kind of cool, like sort of explanation maybe for how the world got the way that it did. You you don't really get it in Blade Runner, the first one, but you at least get it in the second one where they talk about the blackout and Mm -hmm. the rise of um, Jared Leto's corporation, which basically replaced the the Tyrell corporation. So there was something there that I think um, in Blade Runner 2049 that like, totally like encapsulates the whole like gives the audience what they need to know still completely on on the the cyberpunk thing all the way like and then the dystopian element too yeah i think correct me if i'm wrong do they do they give a, a a brief sort of um do they give a brief sort of i like i feel like there's a the scene where daniel jackson's in the cave with her name's shuri right i can't remember i think Ooh, that's but where they're doing sort of a history lesson, and the history lesson is basically that Ra keeps all the people ignorant, like they're not allowed to they're not allowed yeah. to read or write. So it's like yes. a very purposeful. They're they are kept in sort of what what looks and feels like ancient Egypt in a very for a very purposeful reason. So they're right. so they basically are cattle for him. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. That's why they uh, outlawed any kind of writing, all that kind of stuff. People were freaking out about drawing the stuff in the the sand. And mm-hmm. when the um, when the big reveal was made at the end with the soldiers taking off the guards' mask, it's just like, hey, as a person too, it, it it was one of those things that just kind of reinforced that scene. Like, hey guys, like you know, you're being kept this way for a reason. These yeah. people aren't what you think they are. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, sorry, I just wanted to circle back to that because oh, I, I did, did no feel problem. like I, I left a little bit of meat on the bone there, um, and it was oh, it, I, I could talk about Stargate all the time. <laughs> yeah, believe me, dude, I am now into like early '90s sci-fi. Like I said, I watched Universal Soldier last night, so like if there's any point in time that it erupts with the tangent on early '90s sci-fi, I'm all for it. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. All right, but let's get into it. Let's get into the draft itself. Um, so I get, oh man, you know what? Hindsight being 2020, I should have asked Dennis or someone to be our Roger Goodell. 
<laughs> and then we could boo him every time he, he he's going to speak. Right. Oh yeah. Um, but it's it's fun. It, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I would have fun booing the shit out of that, booing the shit out of the Roger Goodell image for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it's fine. We'll just introduce our own picks. So, all right. So, Chema, you are officially on the clock. Um, I guess you know, take as take as long as you want. Um, you can tease it out however you want. But whenever you're ready, let me know what your first draft pick is going to be. Okay, well, with the first pick in the Occasionalists uh, theme month draft, Adam Chumbluski is selecting March for the In the March of Minisos. That was a given. That was a, a great, number one, I love the title so fucking much. Like, And it was such an easy call with all the different Minisodes and everything. That was That's that's like staying for sure. So March in the March of Minisodes. I, I love it. I agree with the, 100% agree with the pick, so much so that... Um, if you did not select this at some point in time, I was gonna I was gonna make this one of my draft picks. Very nice, yeah. It's a it was a it was a great little theme month and everything. It gave the opportunity to do some different stuff. I I I love this. There's a really there is a real place in the world for shorter podcasts. Not the ten, not like the the freaking nine minute ones and stuff. Some of those kind of drive me nuts. But when you're looking into the 15 to 30 minute that there is a, a ripe a ripe place for those absolutely absolutely any um just you know obviously you don't have to think about this at all for a while but any um any kind of things that you were thinking about putting in this uh this coming march that maybe we missed out on last time oh god like it's weird in some way shape or form i i covered a lot of the territory that i wanted to cover this year like even in just like little ideas and stuff and pieces of thoughts that were kind of scribbled on we I, we definitely covered a lot of that i would probably do something in the the music you know related world and stuff because god only knows there's going to be a lot of music news in between now and then and i might actually would would do an episode um, particularly focused on the Coachella from this past year that I went to and the, the difference in the, whatever the current one is going to be, because there is just, it was so intriguing this particular festival and what happened with it, where Kanye got the boot, uh, this rage situation never really panned out and coming off of the coronavirus and all these different like like scheduling stuff. I mean, this is going to the Coachella that happened this past year is going to be one that they write about like in the history of Coachella as like a significant chapter. So I'm kind of interested to see how the um, the promotion team, this Golden Voice, um, plans and schedules things for next year, and like just the, the entire. Um, and so even like the entire etymology of the festival is changed so much over the course of the years. Like I'm interested to see what this upcoming like edition will be. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, no, I I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, that's, that should be a lot of fun. I actually, one of the things that I really liked that we did was sort of that taking something really big, like we talked about the expanse in like 45 minutes, um, mm-hmm. taking something really big and kind of condensing it down to like, the most this like the, the most critical parts um right you could do it with a tv series could do it with um might be it actually honestly might be an interesting way to talk about game of thrones now several years removed um oh yeah it can, you know kind of boil it down to its best and worst if you will um I, I did kind of like that aspect even though i would be more than happy to do like a full like three hours on the expanse 
Um, also doing what was like forty minute episode, forty five minute episode, whatever it was. Um, mm-hmm. That that also seemed to fit like a certain. It, it definitely fit like the way we did it. It just fit really well, sort of giving the broad strokes of of what was going on in that show. Oh, without a doubt, dude. We could even do something like House of Dragon, which I will one day realize how I figure about feel about that show and we could finally talk about it. Yeah. Um, something something along those lines. Yeah, that actually might be kind of perfect for House of the Dragon to do even if I haven't figured out how I feel about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, we're moving on to the second pick of the only round. Um, <laughs> we're not going to do multiple years here, so we'll just stick with one round. <laughs> Um, with the second pick in the draft, Matt Pagel selects January, and January is going to be called the Gatekeeper. Um, nice. af- after the after the God himself, or I should say, the twin gods uh, that are in fact uh, gave January its name, uh, Janus, um, the Gatekeeper. I'm going to introduce, or perhaps myself, take a deep dive into some subjects that have a high barrier for entry. Or, like, some notorious fan bases. So, the, what I mean by that is, like, um, it, it might it might seem overwhelming for someone to dive into, just to real quickly, like, something like The Expanse. Because there's ten books, there's five seasons or six seasons of a TV show. Like, it's a lot to get into. But I, I, I can, as someone who is, is very into that universe, I can sort of give, uh, you know, give a, a virgin, if you will... The sort of way in. Um, similarly, there's there's um, there are certain um, there are certain uh, entertainment pursuits like um, like just alcohol and liquor. You know, just like those things. Mm-hmm. It, it sometimes drinks seem very intimidating when they actually aren't. Like I, I bet like when you were I bet when you first like were I mean I think we all obviously snuck into bars and shit when we were under twenty one, but. When you really first started ordering drinks for yourself, I'm sure you weren't ordering complex drinks, right? No, not a chance. Like, I remember actually, like, explaining to people what screwdrivers and stuff were just, like, when I was going into bars underage. I couldn't have advertised it anymore that I wasn't 21. (laughs) Right. And that's, like, like one of those things that has a surprisingly high barrier to entry. But, like, when you you do talk about it and kind of break it down, um, it's actually not that complicated. Like, like... Really, like most mixed drinks, most cocktails are fairly simple. Um, you can get some bizarre ass shit if you want to, but like most things are pretty simple. So there, so that's sort of like an examination of these kind of things that feel like you really got to do a lot of work to get into. But like I'll, I'll either sort of do it myself to kind of like you know throw myself into it or show you like, hey, this really isn't that complicated. Yeah, of course. Oh yeah, definitely. And like, it's good to have people that do that kind of stuff because there's just so many goddamn things out there in the first place. Like there's so much stuff just in general in the world and to have somebody kind of lead you a little bit. I think that's a really good idea. Should be interesting. I haven't quite, I mean, granted it's the, <laughs> should probably get on it cause that's going to be in a couple of weeks, but um, I haven't quite figured that out, but like there's even stuff like, I could even do this with like sports, right? Like um, people who aren't into mixed martial arts. Um, that's that's a sport that has both a notorious fan base. Um, people are ridiculous about it, and also kind of has a high barrier to entry because it's not like necessarily the most easily accessible sport to watch. So right, that could be an angle. Um, there's all sorts of stuff. Like I, I'm sure I'll, we could even I could even talk about Hollywood itself, right? The how. Mm-hmm. How even though we, I know we've talked about it multiple times before, how even though like some of these 
some of these doorways and pathways into Hollywood as a job, as a profession, have come down in recent years, the there are still many, many gatekeepers left and right that are keeping certain people. The fact that the fact that Quinta Brunson exists as a star is actually kind of astounding. Um, someone who went famous on TikTok is yeah. now now a TV star. That does not happen to just every TikTok star. No, and she is. We talk about this all the time, Jess and I do. She is so fucking charming. It is like I. I have found myself rooting for her character on Abbott Elementary in ways I haven't rooted for a character in so long. It's mm-hmm. just there's just so much fucking charm. It's the same thing with this guy Murray Bartlett, who's on the uh, who was on White Lotus and now he's on the Welcome to Chippendale show. He'll be in The Last of Us coming up. Fucking charm. Like there's just something about when somebody has charm that really makes you want to root for him. And Keita Brunson has got fucking charm, dude. Yep. Yep, and but and, and that's why she's in Hollywood. <laughs> Just the right. even even like the regular, even the, the the pretty popular TikTokers and social media people. There's a reason why they haven't broken through yet, and they probably never will. You know, hopefully they don't. Um, they yeah. probably never will. Um, and there's a reason why because there are people keeping those gates shut. Right. Exactly. That is exactly right. And hopefully some of those gatekeepers uh, let the right ones in and keep the bad, stupid ones out. We don't need any more. We don't need any more Paul Brothers. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Let's move on to your next selection, Chema. All right. The next selection is going to be September for Science Fiction September. And what I was thinking about was doing something uh, we have I, I, we've done like a variation of it before in terms of like um, old movie to remake in that regard. But I was actually thinking about doing something about like a short story that has been made into a movie that has maybe been remade. So you can like track this piece of entertainment throughout the course of time mm-hmm. and to analyze certain um, maybe science fiction tropes of old compared Mm. to certain science fiction tropes of new and to uh, just in general talk about how maybe this piece of um, piece of media when it was a short story was was one thing and how maybe that message has evolved and how maybe certain themes have evolved if there are consistent themes throughout the course of the piece of work certain maybe consistent um perspectives on the theme told through various characters like i think something like that could be very interesting especially when you learn that like you know stuff like the fly started off as a short story a movie in the 50s with vincent price and then Mm -hmm. the jeff goldblum movie so there's all these um examples i feel that are out there and especially with the way that the hollywood remake machine is there might be a chance where it's a short story that's been remade god only knows how many times and the the current iteration is maybe dealing with the core of the story but it's just been turned and morphed and blown up so many times since its original um original publication yeah exactly there's um you know what first off i love this and the the especially when you when you trail like these sci-fi tropes and sci-fi stories um you realize like how how far back they go and how much they change like what the like um they live is is based off a short story called eight o'clock in the morning from like the 1960s um and and it, it is 
it, there's this idea of sort of a secret um, in the same way that there's a secret in, in They Live, but the secret's very different at 8 o'clock in the morning. So it's very clear that like there's only a certain, it's only like a six-page story. Um, so it's like, it's very clear that like, it's very clear that the idea didn't go directly, it wasn't a direct adaptation. The idea is, what if there's a societal secret? And right. that's how, you know, that, that's, yeah, that, that's how we get to where we get to. Um, yeah, there's, you got, you have a lot of room to play with, um, with sci-fi tropes, with, um, you know, the origins of some of these sci-fi things. Like we, like we've talked about before, um, some of the, some of these, uh, like modern, more modern directors are, um, sometimes unknowingly tapping into like Lovecraft stuff. That's like 120 years old. So, right. you know, it, it's, there's. That stuff is it's all over the place. It, it, I shouldn't say it's all over the place. There's a there's a long um, there's a long history of stuff to tap into, um, no matter how you choose to go. Oh, definitely, man. When you have people like even that the racist Yahoo Lovecraft with with such a vast literary catalog and so many ideas and so many kind of creative things, like I mean there are just there's just so much in there dude like there there really is there's a lot of room mm-hmm. for um for discussion absolutely totally agree with you there uh definitely looking forward to that one um i'm gonna keep my other idea for 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 september on deck possibly for something else we'll see here um but with the for now with the fourth pick in the occasionalist draft i select i'm gonna go with i'm gonna go with february here and I'm calling this month. Uh, I didn't get rhyming or anything with it, but I'm calling this month. Ask the ex, ask the ask, Jesus Christ, ask the experts. And um, this is pretty straightforward. I'm going to interview people about their area of expertise. Um, it's definitely going to be. I'll I'll try to reach out to some like you know other people, but it's probably going to be people I know. Um, but focusing on an area that they're very familiar with enough so that they can give me the ins and outs of it. Um, this is you know as much as we like sort of talk about um as much as we sort of talk about like the you know our various entertainment likes and dislikes and some some of the inside baseball stuff in the entertainment industry we are not experts <laughs> like uh, you know armchair experts i guess but i would like to sit down with people even if it's like even if it's someone you know if like I, I you know i find someone who is i don't know just like you know i don't know someone in like in development like for like a tech company um, it would be interesting to sort of get their view of, you know, what their job is, but also like how, you know, like, okay, so like when you, when you see um, computer hacking in a TV show, like what immediately sets your brain on fire? Cause it's so incorrect. Like mm-hmm. that kind of stuff I want to dive into as well. Yeah, 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 of course. And like, God only knows what we learned in factual February this past time around is there is a lot of inaccuracies that are done in the media and stuff. And, uh, getting down to the nitty gritty and asking the experts about it to get the detailed response about the factuality of what you're watching, I think is a really, really good idea. Yeah. Call it called the, the spiritual successor to factual February. Very nice. The spiritual successor. Exactly. I love the term spiritual sequel, spiritual successor. It's fucking awesome. Look, yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. It should be a pretty fun one. Hell yeah, dude. Definitely. Very, very nice. All right. So with the fifth pick in the Occasionalist Draft, I am going to select the month of June, which we are going to be calling History Class. And in History Class, picked mainly because school is the, or June is 
typically the month that school lets out and mm-hmm. I'm pretty positive uh, that they still do it that way. Um, most schools, most we, schools. Yeah. Yeah. Most schools. Yeah. <laughs> and we could cover different topics from history. And this could be one of these almost like um, maybe like one of those Oliver Stone, like the different perspective of history, like something like that, you know, mm-hmm. where it's definitely rooted in truth, but told from like a different perspective. That could be something. It could just be talking about a historical event and how this historical event has shaped the outcome in the world in future years and how this historical event is maybe still relevant today. And the one major uh, thing to get away from it is to learn something from history. So that way you do not repeat it because God only knows there is a lot of people out there who don't really appear to have learned from any history in the world. And uh, I am proud to say that uh, I am at now going on four days in a row without being on Twitter. Like I still have my account up, but I moved it to a, um, a different part of my phone And I got to tell you, it's been fucking awesome. I'm really, really loving every minute of that. And I do believe that. uh, And one of the main reasons that I left was just kind of some of the stuff we talked about last week. Mm -hmm. And so if we are able to enlighten the world um, via an episode about history so they do not um, repeat it, I am all for it. That's I feel there needs to be more of that out there. I 100% agree with you on all of that. Um, and looking forward to that one, really, like, we haven't done a, a history-adjacent episode in a couple of years. Yeah, it has been a minute, actually, since we've done anything like that, to be honest with you. It's been a, quite a while. I, I want to say we did, like, the Civil War one was about as close as we got, and that really wasn't... Yeah. That really was not that historical. Like we touched on some stuff and how and how like and how like our, our theoretical civil wars going forward were obviously influenced by history, but it wasn't a dive into history. Yeah, correct. Exactly. That's exactly right. And now this would be the opportunity to to take a dive, maybe learn something we didn't uh, learn before, maybe get some of those like cool kind of stories when we did those like greetings from episodes with the cities talking about like the Purple Mm -hmm. Boys in Detroit, all that stuff. It'd be a really awesome time to um, talk about that. And the fact that um, you must remember this has not done an episode in a while. Like it just, it's just, I feel like there's a void to be filled there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I forget. That's right. Longworth's been on, uh, on hiatus for whatever reason. Cause she's done, she has done podcasts recently, like other podcasts, but um, who knows there. <laughs> Yeah, um, she was on blank. She was on blank check for the the Kubrick run, and mm-hmm. they were asking her about it, but there was just you know no real um, confirmation about when you must remember this is coming back. I, that's that show is too good to not come back. Um, like she is too good yeah. at it. it. That show is too good for it not to come back. I, I mean, it's so fucking good, and especially like covering the that time period in Hollywood, wherein there are so many interesting stories, so many interesting stories. Yeah, this is something that I feel has to come back. And it's like one of those things where go feel, go figure. Like by the time that I'm a fan of it, the show is canceled or she doesn't decide to tear, takes a really, <laughs> right. really long break. <laughs> right. She's uh, her and uh, her husband are just too busy being rich and hanging out. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> swimming in that uh, swimming pool of podcast money. Uh, well, her she's married to Ryan Johnson. Oh, that's right. Yes, that is right. Yes, so swimming in, in Disney pool. money. Glass onion money, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Star Wars money, glass onion money. Yeah, exactly. 
So yeah, what a career that guy has. What a just what an awesome career. Yep. We're going, we go from Brick Brothers Bloom Looper into Star Wars. Yep. Like it's it's amazing. It's amazing. All right. Uh, where are we at here? The sixth pick. The sixth pick. We the sixth pick. Yep. Yep. Sixth pick. This is where I'm going to make one of my moves here. I, I just feel like I have to. Um, and kind of it'll be interesting. It might it'll kind of sort of lead right into uh, the month you just mentioned. So with the sixth pick in the draft. I'm selecting May for Battlefield Cinema. Um, Ooh, nice. We are going to take a look at some war movies of varying types. Um, not just like straightforward, <clears throat> excuse me, not just like straightforward, um, you know, we're not just going to watch Saving Private Ryan and, and go through it, but like, you know, perhaps we could focus on specific war experiences. Um, you know, there are plenty of war movies like like Jarhead, a movie that is um, without actual, without really any combat. Right. Like mm-hmm. there is very right. minimal combat. Um, I think, uh, you know, there's a, a like a bomber drops a bunch of bombs on like a an Iraqi facility. Um, obviously, we see the aftermath of uh, what it's got a very famous name, Thunder Alley, where like um, at a, where a, like an Iraqi convoy was like completely smoked on the road, like a like a miles long one was completely smoked on the road. Um, we see the aftermath of combat, but really, really jarhead is about the boringness of service and the boringness of war. And like just how much it, how much it could just fucking get to you, um, just doing nothing. Um, so they're like, there's that war experience. Um, perhaps even we could even do. There are plenty of foreign war movies that we could cover that would be very interesting. Be it, you know, be it the experience of like Das Boot. Let's get the German experience of World War Two, um, mm-hmm. or the Japanese experience of World War Two. Whatever it might be. There are tons and tons of movies out there that cover. I mean, it's not surprising, right? Like, especially in our modern times, how um, drastically life changing and history altering these wars have been. Not surprising that there's a ton of movies of various um, angles that you can that we could watch and like, uh, you know, get into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, this is really good that you focus it particularly on like the battlefield war stuff, and even more importantly, like not like movies like Jarhead, and not necessarily like these just bullet festivals, like all on the war zone type movies mm-hmm. and everything. And people do forget that there are several different types of war movies that focus on several different themes, several different topics, and bring a ton of different kinds of perspectives into into the, the, the product that you're watching on screen. So something along these lines, I think is, is number one is definitely ripe for the podcast and the, I mean, like war movies in general, I've always been a fan of. So there's a lot of room to discuss with, with war movies and also just to, I don't know, man, just kind of like comparing or to put the war movie against the times and like, what is this movie trying to say about certain times? If the movie like take, for example, maybe it's a modern day movie about Vietnam. What does this modern day movie say about Vietnam mm-hmm. that maybe other Vietnam movies haven't said? So like um, something along those lines, I think is going to be great to kind of break down and dive into for sure. Yep. Yep. You. I mean, yeah, absolutely. There's even, yeah, obviously time and, you know, we we could examine like why a certain movie was being made, you know, the, the time frame it was the the war it's covering, the time period it's covering. We could even do wars that don't even exist. They're the you know, faux wars, like just to use one real quickly here, Starship Troopers is very yeah. clearly about even though it's it's about a, a fictional future war uh, against alien bugs, it still is about like the it still is about the fascist nature of the military. And the yeah. way that they sap out your humanity and sap out your your individuality to make you 
a, you know, a part of this very particular machine, like all of that is still there in a movie like Starship Troopers. Mm-hmm. Oh, it definitely is, dude. 100%. Like the, uh, the ideas that they were expressing in Full Metal Jacket about erasing one's individual out individuality to become this instrument of warfare are totally apparent in Starship Troopers. Mm-hmm. Like they, they really, really are. So like some of these, um, some of these things that, uh, that we associate with, with war and life and movies are like, they're almost like universal things, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like they could be the same things, but in, in projected in a different way or presented in a different way, depending on whichever uh, movie you are watching. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So that should be a fun one too. And I, I think, I think that have we done like a flat out war movie in any capacity? We have not actually. Right? No, I don't. We haven't even gotten into Starship Troopers, which um is kind of a cardinal sin. Kind but, of surprising uh, that, considering how many times we we talk about Paul Verhoeven, it is kind of surprising yeah. that we didn't get into that at some point in time. It you know it, it's one of these things to me that like it sounds like a really great idea, but like I feel that we would need like. I, I don't think like just giving like two weeks and then, Hey, we're going to convene and talk about starship troopers because I would want to listen to which every single movie podcast is reviewed starship troopers. I would want to listen to those mm-hmm. to see and analyze like different um, similarities and maybe find what we could do with our podcast that those episodes did not do with theirs. Yep. Yeah, exactly. 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 This is maybe, maybe in 2024, we could just do a, a Verhoeven month. That would be a great idea actually, because there's a lot fucking there too. And I'm, I almost like started total recall after watching um, Star or after watching universal soldier last night. Oh, nice. So the movie, the movies that he makes are ones that I'm still watching. I got the, yeah, dude, I got, I got other stuff to, to watch of his for sure. That, mm-hmm. that would be a great idea. Basic instinct. Watch that scene over and over again. No, I'm not do <laughs> everyone's everyone's VHS. Every 16 year old that had that VHS just wore it out. Right, exactly. That one part of the movie, like the film, is lighter than the rest of the tape. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How about the uh, how about your how about the seventh pick in the draft here? All right. With the seventh pick, I am going to select the month of August for what is going to be called the first and last. And what we are going to do in this particular month is we are going to select a TV show or a movie from a franchise, something that has chapters under a consistent banner. And we are going to take a look at the first episode or first movie and only the first and last episodes Ooh. and do a so i've seen there was this like thing that came on twitter a few years ago or like i saw and people were writing these episodes or, or they were writing articles for various online publications and when i'm experiencing this trend start to develop i was kind of agitated by it i'm just like somebody did it once then all of a sudden there were like all these other episodes and articles about different TV shows and stuff, you know, like somebody watched uh, breaking bad episode one and the last episode, which is actually, I think where I, where this whole thing kind of came from. Mm-hmm. And, and then it just went from there. I actually interested to do this now, any kind of hostility I had towards this subject has washed away entirely. And I am now really, really interested because I just like knowing some of the shows that we have covered that we have watched and some shows that would be set to end like stranger things and everything, you know, like um, that are set to end in the upcoming future. Mm -hmm. 
I actually think it would be pretty cool because like Stranger Things and Game of Thrones from episode one to Stranger Things where it's going and where Game of Thrones ended, they are they've come so far, but not so far, like all at the same time. Like it's it's kind of interesting how like when Game of Thrones, like, you know, you just okay, Daenerys is going to be queen, she's gonna take the Iron Throne, she like sort of gets there, you know, so like pretty much everything that she was set up to do in the first episode she like almost gets there there's not Mm -hmm. like any real going off the path but for other game of thrones characters not so much you know like when we see bran for example like we leave bran in the first episode falling out of a window and it ends with him being the rule being in charge of the the six kingdoms so Mm -hmm. there's i'm just i'm kind of intrigued by this idea now and it'd have to be the, the right like you know show to do it but with a show that covers a lot of territory like Game of Thrones, like Stranger Things, where like that, I mean, the kids are just going to look entirely different. By the they're going to be 36 in the next season. Yeah, that's right. They'll be adult, adults pretty much. Will's going to be smoking fight. in every scene. Yeah, fighting Vecna, crushing a beer on his head yeah. and stuff, like a bar a bar fight with Vecna. <laughs> <laughs> so like, uh, so something like that, I think would be interesting to do. Like when it was when it was the hot thing on the internet, I was kind of disgusted by it. But now that nobody really does it anymore, I'm more intrigued by this than I ever have been. Yeah, yeah. There's, you're right. There, there was that for a little bit, um, and it, it is one of those things that, like, whatever. I, I'm over certain fads and stuff. Um, so like I, I, I have, I have the same sort of eye roll towards some of that, but yeah, if we're going to do it, why not? We'll do it. Plus I, I know how we do things. We'll probably do it better um, (laughs) than than a lot of the other, just flat out. We'll do it better. Um, it's it's funny that you brought this up because I was just thinking about this recently. Um, I think I've mentioned this before. I saw when I was working at home when I was working from home, I want to say it was, it had to be before the pandemic. Because just my, like, office arrangement was different. Like, I, I was looking at a TV then. So this had to be before the pandemic. And um, just on the TV in the background was, like, TNT. And when I started watching, it was the very last episode of Friends. And then after that episode, it cycled back to the first episode of Friends. And I, I was flabbergasted by how different everyone looked. But also, mm-hmm. like, how different the shooting looked like the like obviously we're talking um early 90s to early 2000s but like the so i think by then the screen at screen excuse me the aspect ratio on the screen had already changed um but also like the the visual quality looked very different um, oh yes it, yeah. like there's there are little things like that like certain colors like re- kind of realizing that like in certain in certain like places that you like uh the central perk cafe for example, there were certain colors in the original and like the first, probably like the first seven to six to seven seasons that were very clearly kind of like color blown out um, mm-hmm. just because of the like the, you know, the filming technology and the production technology. And then when you get to when you get to the later seasons, the color is it's like sharper. It's still bright. Yeah. Like they had like those bright chairs or whatever. Um, it's still bright, but it's it, but it's sharper, and not blown out like you you'll you'll see it like you'll know exactly what i'm talking about it's, oh yeah and it just has to do with like the technology changing in that in that 10 year span of time dude i'm it's glad you brought this up because we've 
just got done watching Friends and stuff, you know, like um, just kind of started it and I just kind of chime in whenever I whenever I can. And like the show starts off, it looks dark, like a lot of it just looks naturally darker than it does as the show progresses. Mm -hmm. Then by, by the time you get to the episodes that are in the 2000s, it almost looks like a show that shot on CBS. Like everything is a lot brighter. There is like a certain glow to the characters and mm -hmm. stuff like that. I mean, even just even just like their overall like um their skin tones and stuff like that look insanely different like they mm -hmm. somehow somehow look younger by the time the show ends than it does when it starts it, it does a little bit it does a little bit and david schwimmer's black in 2003 which is weird yeah it's really crazy stuff yeah. weird choice but um no not really folks but, but no I, I know exactly what you mean like it it it, it, it looks it, the show just does not it looks like it doesn't look like there's 10 years in between. It looks like there's 20 years in between. Yeah. Oh, it really, really does. And like the advancements that they made during that time, like you would have thought that the, you would have thought that film advanced in the way that it did from like the sixties to the eighties and the 10 years that France was on TV. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I like this going to be, that's going to be a fun one for sure. Oh yeah. And I, I got to add like one really quick thing about friends. Jess and I recently did the Warner brothers studio tour. And like when you do the studio tour, they, you get to like go to the central perk set that they you know mm -hmm. moved and relocated and you get a, a free photo of you sitting on the couch. Mm -hmm. I have never been so well lit in my entire life. Like, <laughs> the best you ever looked. I swear to God, there are photos that we, that I took that same day where I'm just like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> oh, the guy on yeah. The couch. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> Like, I swear, it's like one of the best photos of me ever taken. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. Uh, let's move on here to the eighth pick. Um, I think, so I have, so, you, so you've, man, I have some options here. All right. So with the eighth pick in the Occasionalist Draft, I'm going to go ahead and take April. Okay. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to swap my original idea for something I'm calling man tears um Ooh, nice and this is entertainment that almost made us cry because we don't cry child we're men right we don't we don't cry we get a little misty-eyed there's some dust in the room um gonna go over the stuff that does make us emotional um it, it is it's one of those it's one of those things like um just like thinking about thinking about something like that's so completely ridiculous but still moving like something like the end of Lord of the Rings where everyone turns and bows to the hobbits and like mm -hmm. literally when was that? When was that last hobbit? When was that like 2009? Something like that. Yeah. I, those are the ones I'm, I actually have not watched the hobbit ones. Like I just kind of, I thought the return of the King was so good. I'm like, how are you ever going to, not, not the hobbit movies. I mean, but I'm saying like the, the return of the King was like the last one, like 2009, right before the hobbit movies pick up. I, you're in the, it's in that area sometime. Cause I know okay. whatever year, the next year was at the Oscars, they, they sweat, they won everything they were nominated okay. for. So 13 years later, and if I just happened to catch that on like TNT or something, that scene, I still get fucking choked up. Like it still get choked up. And it's not even Lord of the Rings. Wasn't even like one of my favorite sort of franchises. I still, I mean, it's great. It's like a fantastic achievement. It's a great storytelling. It's, it's a, I mean, it's an awesome series of movies. Um, but it's not even my favorite, but that scene is still so fucking effective. And there are, there are a, a ton of movies and TV shows that maybe they're not even like that great, 
but they but like they know you know whoever is whoever was directing that episode or directing that movie or writing it whatever knew exactly how to get like full emotional impact out of it mm-hmm. oh yes believe me i cried during the end of adaptation and i watched that two weeks ago i was like so there when somebody knows how to emotionally pump that well oh it's a good it, they could pump it and pump it really good. And like for me, not even being that much of a Lord of the Rings guy, like I guess I'm more of a, a Star Wars guy and that's not saying all that much, but um, <laughs> like I, I could be a bigger fan. I, I could definitely be a bigger fan, but yeah. like even I, even I got a little emotional um, when I saw that scene after at the end of return of the King, 100%. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> there's, there's just, it's that kind of stuff. There's, Obviously, like a bunch of like war movies and stuff that have like some super emotional scenes. Um, like on, honestly, like one of the most effective scenes to sensible to do, you know, I guess it'll kind of un, unintentionally dovetail into Battlefield Cinema. Um, when uh, Vin Diesel gets killed in um, in Saving Private Ryan, like yeah. that is a that is a super emotional scene. Like he and also, man, I, I kind of I, I kind of realized also that like Vin Diesel is a much better actor than he's allowed to be in stuff like the Fast and the Furious movies. I mean, he's totally fine, don't get me wrong. But, like, when was the last time Vin Diesel really acted at all? Probably since that scene in Saving Private Ryan, or <laughs> yeah. that, the, mo- the mob movie he did where he had hair, when he was trying to, yep. like, do an indie flick that one time. Yeah. Yeah, I know, you're probably right. But, yeah, stuff stuff like that I want to go over, because there's definitely some interesting, there's just some interesting stuff there. Um, and just, it'll be kind of funny to talk about the stuff. It, it, it also just, it's kind of funny, the things that like do press your buttons like that. Again, mm-hmm. like a bunch of people bowing to a little bunch of little C- CGI miniature people, like gets to me. Yeah, dude, I know exactly what you mean, man. And like, I, I've been telling this story for a while now about how like I, the, the crying in the movies thing was something that was, it was more apparent when I was a child. And then I went, pretty strong without having a real cry in a movie like through my teens and high school and stuff like that and dude i this is a hundred percent true there was one day and this is after graduation i was probably like 19 or 20 i'm sitting around my dad's house and i'm watching this movie called the trojan war with will friedley that came out at the time Mm -hmm. and um there was this scene in that movie that just got me crying. It was all about like friendship and stuff kind of towards the end of the movie. And like, I was crying off that and this opened up a door to crying in movies that I had never like experienced before in my life. Like, and I will 100% say that to everybody out here with pride that the Trojan war with Will Friedley made me cry. There was just such a profound statement on friendship. What can I say? I like it. I like it. I'm just I'm looking at the cast of this movie. I have never heard of this movie before. Yeah, it made, it had a very very short lived run on um, HBO for a while. This was like back when you used to get like um, there were like five HBOs, like one two three four five, and then your fifteen HBO channels were the HBO on the West Coast, then mm-hmm. HBO sometime in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. So there were there was at least a day where I had maybe seen this movie two or three times. <laughs> <laughs> very nice. Very nice. Uh, okay, like it. Um, where are we at here? Oh, we're at, uh, you, you have next selection, correct? You bet. And I am going to select the month of November for no nonsense November. And this is kind of like a spiritual sequel to let's fix this shit. And this is the opportunity since the episode will be later on in the year for us to kind of 
get the opportunity to like maybe like vent about some things that have bugged us throughout the course of the year. And God only knows there will be many things that bug us throughout the course of mm-hmm. the year, whether it be in entertainment, sports, life, whatever it is, and then offer potential solutions to fix those issues. And um, I, I know for a fact that the college football playoff, which has been a very popular topic of ours, that is one that fixed itself. So like, you mm-hmm. know, there's a, that is one thing that we, we did, could get into other elements of how that agitates us because God only knows I'm sure there'll be something. So like, it's just the opportunity for us to take a time to reflect on the past year, look at some of the things that have happened and to maybe offer suggestions on how these things could be fixed. I am, I am all about no nonsense November. This sounds pretty fucking great. Um, yeah. By the time November rolls around, there's definitely going to be some complaints. Um, <laughs> there'll, there'll be there'll be some stuff that is definitely grinding our gears. Um, I'm I'm sure a lot of the sports issues will be Browns related, um, but uh, you know but right. that'll it'll give oh, us yeah. a, it, it will be, um, but that'll give us a space to complain about it. But yeah, I, I do kind of like this. I do like this idea of not necessarily that we're we're one thousand percent we have like the answers for things, but just like hey, this is stupid. Let's let's examine like why this is stupid, why this is bothering us. Right, exactly. And I'm telling you, with the Browns, we could probably do a whole episode that's just how to fix the Browns. <laughs> oh, for sure. For uh, th- th- let's there's there so like they have that um their own like Facebook series, you know, building the Browns. Right, right. How has how has Mike Polk not done his own Facebook series fixing the Browns? And yeah, I have just no done idea. a complete satire of it. It, considering that's like the only thing about him I find funny, I just I don't know why he hasn't had that. I mean, if the Browns are good, you are aware that his career is like over with. So, Pretty much, yeah. You, you know, so I mean, like, or or whatever Tim Misney dies. Right. Oh God, the Miz. Oh my God. There's just we've had a lot of conversations about the Miz lately. Tim Misney, not like the Miz, but yeah. um, we've had in our house lately. Like Tim Misney is kind of a popular topic of conversation. And yeah, when um, he kicks the bucket, like Mike Polk might easily die soon thereafter. <laughs> just a, <laughs> upset suicide. Yep. <laughs> All right. No nonsense, November. I dig it. I dig it. Um. Okay. Here. So we only have three. We're down to three picks. Um, I'm going to, with the 10th selection and the Occasionalist Draft, I am going with July, and this is going to be called Occasionalist Mystery Theater. We are finally going to sit down and we'll figure out the, like, the mechanics of it. We'll probably have to do it over weeks, over months, possibly. We're actually going to do some kind of like radio-type play. Oh, very, very, very nice, dude. Very nice. Could, I could be an original script, maybe you know, could be something that we just you know interpret on our own or whatever. But we, I like it's one of those things. So that's July is our month off. So like there won't be any new episode. Excuse me, won't be any new episodes, or there will be new episodes. Nothing that we'll be doing in that month, and it should give us a chance to sort of like stretch this out and kind of figure out like what we want to do with it over the course of the year before we finally present it in you know I don't know a four part series over the over the month of July. Yeah, dude, I'm telling you, that could be great. Do a lot of cool voices and stuff like that. Like, I have some kind of find a way to work in maybe sound effects or some shit. Yep. This could be the thing that opens up a whole lot of doors. Here is the the the, the radio murder mystery podcast put on by the Occasionalist. This will be the thing that breaks the podcast. I guarantee yeah. it. Could, so yeah. So like, real quick, just thinking like a radio play, or if we wanted to do like a mock true crime episode. Um, you know, in, in the vein of like American Vandal or something, 
Um, yeah. Something, something along those lines as well. But like basically, just something that's kind of something that is fictional. Something that is um, is definitely we're all like we're playing parts. We're playing characters in it. Yeah, of course, dude. Definitely. That's a uh, oh, that's going to be fucking special for sure. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. That's uh, that's July. That's the tenth pick. Um, so we are second to last pick here, Chema. Okay, so let's see here. I think that man. Let's see, we only got the two months left. I think I'm going to go with the easier of the two and go with October. You bet. Let's go with October. This would be the start of spooky season, so I think I'm going to keep you know keep everything in the vein of of spooky season. It will be horror themed in some way, yeah. shape, or form. But I think there could be a different way to approach this, and this. I'm either thinking of like one or two different things. And um, I'm kind of into the idea of, so there's this scary stories that tell in the dark show that came out. That's based off of like the, the book that we had as a kid. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of into the idea of us revisiting this book so many years later and maybe talking about the show. I want to do something basically that's rooted in either a book that we that we like were kind of familiar with was a kid as kids that became something adult, or I want to take a dive into something that maybe was like some, uh, I don't know, maybe like a, maybe another, like almost like goosebumps, but not have us read like a goosebumps book, you know, some kind of like things that were like horror stuff when we were kids. And then maybe have a second episode that was about something, um, how that piece of, media that was popular when we were kids got translated into a movie or something in the modern marketplace gotcha gotcha so yeah okay okay so like sort of the how um how how the stuff that we had is the stuff that we had as kids whether we'll examine whether or not it grew up with us if it grew apart from us um how yeah. our relationship to a change um or mm-hmm. you know yeah exactly um Oh, that's very interesting. Uh, I kind of, like I kind that, of, oh, sorry, go ahead. Something that's been prominent, like, or something that's been horror that is, that has in some way, shape or form, whether it's maybe not, we've had a personal relationship, but something that has been around for a while in terms of horror and stuff that's been with us for a while. Yeah, I gotcha. I gotcha. That's, that should be very, very fun. Um, child, childhood. I'm just titling this right now in my notes, childhood horrors. Um, nice. Which obviously all of these are just sort of we could work on the exact titles and things later, but right. yeah, no, I think that's really interesting. There's like uh, there's a lot of opportunity to like, um, I mean, shit. We could even talk about how like we're basically the exact same age as, um, you know, as the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. Um, how right. that you know maybe you know obviously that I, I don't think I know that I know you Halloween was your first like sort of um, horror franchise, correct? Yes, yeah, still even after the last couple it's still my favorite yeah. i can say that <laughs> and yeah it's like jason was like my first like horror franchise um but like we could even you know you could even talk about how um you know how like how that how our relationships to those have changed how how something like fuck actually just roll off the top of my head how interesting it would it be to um to to kind of examine like what exactly scream became in pop culture and I, yes. how how Scream really set a very interesting tone for horror movies for about 10, 12 years. 
I know. Like there's a there's another one coming out that takes place in New York and stuff yep. that I'm just like, well, like my God, like I have a, I'm probably gonna watch the other one that came out, um, Scream Five, I think, like yep. uh, on the plane tomorrow. So there, I'm still a fan of those movies in some way, shape, or form, and they have stuck with me for a very long time. And like what those movies, particularly like what the first Scream did to horror for the first, like you know, you're right, like five, ten years or so after its release. I don't even know if you and I have seen a horror movie come out that has been that influential on the genre for such a long period of time, you know, where pretty much everything is like scream in some way, shape or form, whether it be the, the, the storytelling, like the, the, the mystery mm-hmm. element of it. Like, I mean, you're looking at a solid wave of, or a solid like umbrella of influence that that movie brought to the table. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, think about like all the, the comedy parodies, that, right. that legitimately launched careers on their own um, between Anna Ferris and Rebecca, uh, what's her face? Rebecca Hall? Rebecca Hall. Um, mm-hmm. it, like, character, you know, people that came out of those movies. Uh, Anthony Anderson, Kevin Hart. Um, yeah. People that came out of those movies from, this, from the fucking parody spinoffs. Um, going forward, the, you know, the ones that weren't, you know, the ones that like... Um, I know what you did last summer, um, Final Destination. Those things, none of those things happen without Scream. I mean, they, they oh, just right. don't happen without Scream. Oh, yeah. I mean, you got dudes like the faculty would barely happen without mm-hmm. Scream. Like, I think I know you, what you did last summer is also Kevin Williams. And so, yep. like, I mean, yep. yeah. Like, we hit that, like, we hit that really interesting spot where um, this one horror movie comes out when we were in middle school that somehow manages to influence horror and particularly teen high school horror for years and years to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, there's a, there's a lot there. Um, yeah. And you know what? And I don't think we have, I think the closest we have to it is this sort of, um, we have like sort of two things happening right now in horror, as we've mentioned before, the idea of like the, the social issue horror, um, mm-hmm. you know, we're like literally whatever the social issue is, is the scary part. Um, right. You know, get out us and, um, there's, there's other ones you can, you can throw in there, but also we're kind of getting into that where, um, like the, the family drama horror of mm-hmm. stuff like hereditary midsummer. I mean, I know they're not like a family, but they're pretty close to being a family unit. Um, uh, I mean, fuck that. There's a, the whole other part of it. <laughs> the Swedish people are a family. Um, right. So like, so we have like sort of two and, and, um, the witch, um, we have like these two sort of kind of divergent, um, interesting horror ideas, but like, they're not, at least for me, it doesn't seem like they're being propelled by like a single movie necessarily, just sort of like public consciousness about this kind of stuff versus the way scream was in fact the engine for all of this shit back in the mid nineties. Oh yeah, dude. And like, you know, I, I agree with you on that. There isn't a a movie that's, you know, like perpetuating or the, the influence of all this because there's, there's so many horror movies out now. And like, you know, when I was like, when I was on Twitter all the four days ago, ha ha ha. Like if you were to like, look at the horror community on Twitter, every fucking movie is scream and is going to have as much influence as scream. So, so there's like, you know, it's, um, when the in like in 96 when scream came out like it was a little bit easier i feel for somebody to make like a groundbreaking horror movie in in some way shape or form whereas today 
I don't know, man. It, it just seems like when it comes to groundbreaking, these are really only reserved for two people, and that's Aster and Eggers. So I, mm-hmm. I'm sure that there are other ones out there, but like those are the first ones that come to my mind where I'm just like, wow, these dudes are really doing something cool and different. Uh, and yeah, Aster, Eggers, and, and Jordan Peele are the only three that yeah, are Jordan really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, but like, really, that's it. <laughs> like, that's the, those are the right. three that are really making. Um, you know, and and you could like and, and like they're offshoot people that you know like um, who was it? Nia DaCosta directed the the recent Candyman, Candyman. remake, which so is like, good. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've heard. It's, I still haven't gotten around to it. I heard it's very good. Um, so like, yeah. So like, under their umbrellas, if you will, there's like other people, but like they're associated with them, and that, mm-hmm. that's that's it. We don't we don't. I, I mean, I guess it's sort of that's just sort of the nature of Hollywood right now because there's not much room for anything that's not not a fucking superhero movie right now. So yeah, that's true. Yeah. You, you bet. You got that right. <laughs> and uh, as soon as something does come out, there's a superhero movie coming around right around the corner to eclipse it. So <laughs> I, I, I kind of wonder, and this will kind of get into, um, this will get into my, into my last pick here. Um, but like, I kind of wonder like, what is, what is eventually going to slow down um, the superhero stuff? Cause I mean, like it doesn't seem like it's stopping anytime soon yeah you know something dude i don't know and like i i gotta say like i got disney plus throughout the course of this year and i went on a binge where i i got caught up to at least moon Knight. so i'm through moon Knight, mm-hmm. which was which all the stuff is really good but by the end of it i was fatigued man i like i haven't watched anything marvel and quite possibly anything disney for at least three or four months now and i know i'm missing andor and yeah she hulk I, I heard that's very worthwhile yeah. andor uh, me too I'm, I'm going to get around to it eventually it's just like i got so fatigued from all that stuff i'm just like man like i i, I just didn't know if i could really watch it so i mean i still had the, the latest thor to watch i had the black panther wakanda forever to watch and like i will get to those eventually but when you go through like what is probably like 20 plus hours of Marvel programming all in a row, you're just, I was fatigued and I thought maybe there would be some kind of like other people being fatigued so much so that it translated into numbers, but nope, this machine is still fucking rocking. It's still bolting and pumping out those movies we got season two to shows coming out we have more spinoffs coming we have more movies like i mean this is a machine that um is not going to stop and then whenever whenever we could possibly feel that we're getting now c-list marvel characters getting turned into movies they're going to drop the x-men bomb on on us and the whole thing is going to change yeah and wait till this this wait till the secret wars comes out this could be another game changer. So, I mean, who the hell, this could go on for God knows how long. I mean, we could be in our fifties and this current iteration of the MCU will still be around. It's, it's astounding. It really is astounding. And it's because their bad movies still gross $600 million. They're, they're quote unquote bad movies. Like the Eternals still gross is like $600 million. Um, they're, the TV shows that people claim that are lacking, you know the the be it Agents of Shield that ran for like seven years, um, right? Their their Disney Plus shows, which are certainly of like a higher quality, um, even the ones that are like quote unquote like um, like She Hulk um, that that had like a lot of people divided. I'm sure that still grossed like hundreds of millions of hours watched. So oh, without a doubt. Why, yeah, so like easily. they're not going to stop making quote unquote bad shows like She Hulk. They're you 
if you didn't like it, stop watching it, and it won't get a second season. But if you continue to watch it, they don't give a fuck if you make fun of it online. They're just going to make another one. Right, that's exactly right. So all you people that are hate-watching She-Hulk and you're like, God, I just hate shows about women attorneys and everything, and what's a woman doing in the Marvel Universe, and you're hate-watching it, just remember that you're watching it and they're going to continue to make more. <laughs> right. It's it really it really is a, it really is an interesting signal when um so like next season um Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead are the showrunners for Loki. Now. Oh, interesting. Okay. That that says a lot to me when dudes who make movies for like $80,000 are in charge of a Marvel of anything. You know what I mean? Like that that says a oh, lot. Yeah. Oh, it really does, and they they released a new one this year, I think, like at least a short they released. This oh, they, year. maybe it's, a feature it's a length movie. Yeah, I, it's I'm, a feature I'm gonna, Okay, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna rent it this weekend actually. Um, some I think it's called uh, something in the dirt. Um, yes, that they shot right. they shot basically during quarantine, so it should be interesting because all their shit's yeah, interesting. Are, are you like when you're renting it? Are you gonna rent it from? Okay, I could rent it from Apple. Okay, like there's the only reason I ask is because like I'm you know going on the plane tomorrow, so I was like researching different movies to watch, and um, there are movies like Everything Everywhere All at Once, which I really want to see. You can only buy it on Apple, or if you are renting like Tar, for example, it's like twenty bucks. Oh. So this one, um, yeah, I just I looked it up and it's only six ninety nine to rent on Apple. So that is that could definitely be something I watch. I just wasn't gonna. I just didn't want to own a digital copy of everything quote, everywhere all quote unquote once, own so. until they decide to take it off their library and then you yeah, guess what you don't own it anymore <laughs> right right unless i mean so, unless you yeah. download it obviously but yeah 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 you're right yeah 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 so like um yeah that, so this is actually good because i now i got between screen five this and i think i'm going to watch emily the criminal so yeah i got at least mm. a full plane of uh, movies to watch tomorrow <laughs> there you go there you go how um now, do you get do you get a direct flight or you you, you break that up? I'm doing direct. Okay. Yeah, I like I I try to do direct whenever I can, and like um, I was normally taking the red eye, but they suspended all direct red eye flights and they made it so you had to make a stop in Vegas, which isn't horrible. I'm not gonna lie, like you're only laid over for about an hour or so, mm-hmm. and like the Vegas airport, you can gamble and there's the Shake Shack and stuff. But yeah. um, I I just since I'm flying during the day, like I'm, I'm getting flights at nine 15, I'm going to be doing the, um, the, like just a full straight up direct flight. So that yeah. way I don't like get in around like 11 at night and stuff. Gotcha. Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. I just real quickly here, excuse me. Um, on my trip to Texas, I landed in, I went, I had, I had a layover in Houston for like an hour and a half just to go, just to literally get on a 38 minute flight to go to Austin, uh, <laughs> whatever. But, um, like, I so my my terminal terminal where I landed and the terminal where I had to go get to my you know, next gate were on first off George George Bush International is very large uh, it's a humongous airport and I was at basically the polar opposite ends of of this airport to for to to for arrival and departure and mm-hmm. thankfully I had and thankfully I literally had an hour and a half if I had like a half hour in between flights. I it, I would have had to sprint across this airport. It was that big. I, I was walking for 15, 20 minutes, and I wasn't even halfway to back to the gates that I had to get to. Wow. It's wow. Like, granted, I wasn't, like, moving with any, you know, I wasn't, like, knowing that I had, like, a long time in between. I wasn't, like, in a hurry. But, like, I was just mm-hmm. kind of like, holy shit. Imagine, like, imagine, like, if you had, like, two kids with you, and you were trying to, like, make a really quick, 
you know, you were trying to like hit something in between like a 30, 45 minute layover, this would be a nightmare run through. An absolute nightmare. Oh, yeah. Be looking at the whole first uh, beginning part of Home Alone and stuff like yep. that easily. Yeah, trucking it through the airport and stuff. It's right. Ooh, man. And that's actually pretty crazy that that airport is big enough to where you could walk in the entire thing for that long. Because LAX is broken up into terminals. So if you want to go somewhere else, you have to go out and then come back in yeah. and stuff like that. It's like they have, they have a people mover that they're building that will kind of stop that. But until the monorail is built – like you're like when I arrive at the airport tomorrow, like in the morning, like I'm going to be stuck with Harrison Ford's restaurant and sweet green and, and as, as restaurant options, like I can't go anywhere else. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I, um, I, if there was, if, if there was a tram or something, I didn't see any signs for it. There's definitely a tram and at Austin's airport, um, that, that took you down to the gates or whatever. That was, uh, that airport's definitely not as big. It's so big, but yeah, Houston's just like fucking walk. <laughs> like <laughs> walk or or get on one of these stupid like you know you can get on one of the little um golf cart type things that they're always driving around i'm sure yeah, that yeah. takes longer um because they barely move right yeah i'm surprised being in texas they don't offer a horse to take you from one terminal to the other that would be awesome you just <laughs> you just grab a horse and you get to just like hightail it right right through the airport as fast as you want oh that would be amazing actually <laughs> I would actually uh, go to Texas for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last pick here. Uh, so the, the there is only one option here. Mr. Irrelevant for this draft is December. Um, and obviously we're keeping it as our year in review look ahead. But I, I thought that we should, we should do it this time around as um, the year in review should be mostly in trivia form. Just Ooh, very nice. Kind of the way I did Adam Trivaluski, um last mm-hmm. week. Um, sort of like, hey, do you remember this? And, you know, be it, um, you know, something you said, something like something we covered, maybe something like you could go back and, you know, like go all the way back to whatever month you want to. And like, huh, we talked about this in March, you know, or, or March of mini but how did we forget this? And, you know, we could figure out trivia from there. And then for the look ahead, obviously, we're going to do something as it relates to picking the months or whatever, however we decide to do this going forward. But also, like, let's actually give some like robust predictions for mm-hmm. for the podcast for ourselves and then we will in the following year see how we did on those predictions oh that's not bad at all that is really not bad at all actually and that gives could give me something to strive for a nice year uh new year's resolution goal to maintain throughout yeah. the year yeah exactly could could be anything like that whatever it is but we'll we'll we'll, we'll throw some predictions out um and we'll sort of uh you know we'll, we'll do that see how it, see how it turns out basically Hell yeah, dude. Very nice. Very, very nice. All right. So you want to do a, a, we'll do a quick recap here of just go through and uh, do your picks real quick and then I'll throw mine out. Yes. Okay. So I have March and the March of Minisodes, Sci-Fi September, History Class in June, the first and last in August, uh, no, No Nonsense November, and Childhood Horrors in October. Love it. Love it. It's going to be great. Um, so in January, I'm kicking off next year with the gatekeeper, uh, in February, uh, we're going to ask the experts about something, um, you know, stuff that they're uh, an expert in, um, in May, we are doing battlefield cinema, um, in April prior to that, we'll be doing man tears, um, in July, we'll be doing occasionless mystery theater 
and we will wrap up the year with our um, December year in review and look ahead. That will be um, similar to what we've done, but a little bit different, uh, you know, going going forward. So that is our official wrap up there. Um, Chumba, do you want to make any trades? Is there anything that you're interested in? swapping in or out or swapping months or anything along those lines? Man, believe, I actually do not want to make any trades. I think we have a pretty solid lineup as it stands right now. This is like my fantasy football team where like I'm just leaving everything as is. I'm not really making any adjustments to it. I'm actually in agreement with you um, that I, I really don't want to change anything. I think there's some like I, I, I could go either way on my own but I but I I'm kind of, I don't want to like sort of preemptively pull something just to like, before we even get a chance to like go through, you know what I mean? Like I want to like get to it right. before, like I even think about like changing it at all. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you on that. There's nothing that I really want to swap. Um, let's leave, let's leave the option open, um, for later in the year to potentially swap one out or, or do a trade or something if we want to. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, who knows? There could be, hopefully there won't be any crazy, super crazy things in the world that merit the uh, the full episode like what we did with the coronavirus or forest fires. But right. it's definitely good to leave something like that on the table in case a unusually popular or devastating world event takes place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we'll we'll leave ourselves the option to uh, to possibly do some swapping. Uh, was there anything that you um, that you didn't... That you had down that you didn't, um, you know, obviously you did not end up drafting. You know, believe it or not, I had all of the themes on point. It was just a matter of picking the month. So gotcha. the other, the one thing I was thinking about was like the uh, the the knowledge of like or the concept of appreciation April coming back. But mm-hmm. to be honest with you, I think we have a lot more better ones than some of the ones that we did last year. You could you could take you could take appreciation April, man tears April of. I'll figure out some some better title <laughs> for it than that. Um, uh, that's going to be an appreciation in its own way, right? That is true. Yeah, you got that right. Yeah, it's an emotional appreciation, yeah. which is appreciation where I come from. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So the only there's a couple that um, that you know, like I said, like whenever, as I've said before in the show many times, whenever I'm hosting, I always make sure I have some things in the barrel just in case you also pick the same thing. Like we both had March of Minisodes, so I was like, mm-hmm. we'll make sure I have like at least. Basically, for, like, your six picks, I made sure I had my six picks, and then I had, like, four additional ones, just in case something got overlapped or whatever. Um, so there was, like, a... I was thinking about doing Sports April, covering, you know, spring sports or whatever. Um, we could, you know, it, it, when we got to it, we could figure out if, if we wanted to change and how, how we wanted to do it. Um, I had uh, just a dovetail with the 1980s, the 1990s. Um, yeah. Talk about... I think we're not. I think I know we're at the beginning of a wave of 1990s media making that comeback. Um, I'm like right now, just a little peek behind that curtain. I'm listening to this rapper right now, uh, or a duo, but I, I think they're more. Pro- I think it's more production rapping duo versus like two rappers. But um, Joey Valance and Bray, and mm-hmm. um, you, if give them a listen, and if you. If you don't think that those two are like the lost two Beastie Boys, I'm not sure. Like, I'm not sure like what you're listening to, because it literally is like just flashing back to '90s Beastie Boys, um, and it's fucking great. Like, they're they're really good. They they even drop a line in uh, Valence, even drops a line in one of his songs. I think in I think it's in Underground Sound. 
he drops a line um, to call up the 1990s, give him a ring, tell him Joey Valance is the next big thing. Like, right in the middle of the song, like, yep, I know what I'm doing. I'm just fucking bringing back the 90s sound. <laughs> oh, that's great. And yes, in some way, shape, or form, with everything being cyclical, the 90s is going to make a comeback. Like, there was this point in time um, about 10 years ago where – like 90s alternative sounds were starting to make a comeback. And like when I say starting to make a comeback, meaning people were making them, not mm-hmm. necessarily listening to them as a mm-hmm. lot of these bands, it kind of fizzled out or like maybe dropped one good album and just really haven't followed up with that level of success yet as they had gotten their first album or at just a quality of product. Mm-hmm. So I could in some way, shape or form, I could see this coming back. Like I think it's a little bit more probable with, um, with hip hop and stuff like that. Cause like it just the way that alter like nineties alternative rock or whatever that, sound might be dead but like it's going to be alive in some way and i do feel that hip-hop is Mm -hmm. going to be the thing that's the real driving force behind it you bet yep yep i mean no joke onyx dropped a new song like a few months ago oh wow yeah oh wow actually kind of a banger like it's i mean it's onyx it's what you expect from onyx it's not like it's groundbreaking or anything but like it's kind of a banger and it sounds interesting it sounds like it's still 1993 Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Like I, I remember a tribe called quest dropped a new album mm-hmm. in like 2016 and it was fucking incredible. Like mm-hmm. it was so goddamn good. So like if they're capable of doing it, like why should not be? <laughs> yep. Exa- exactly. 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 <laughs> it's fantastic. Um, oh my God. what were some of the other ones left after? Oh, uh, one sprang from the, your one sprang from your college, from our, our ongoing college football discussion about, how I call this one for the greater good, how when one part of something is good or better, it makes the whole better, you know, like a rising tide lifts all boats. Um, oh, yeah. When we have good Pac-12 football, when we have competitive football in Texas, college football is just better. The landscape is better. There's more there's more meaningful parity. You know, there's more teams involved. It's it just it's better. Especially like, I mean, granted, I'm a fan of an Ohio State fan. I just want them to go like annihilate everyone they play. But take a, take a much taller, you know, take a 10,000 foot view of this. It's much better when they, there isn't just one fucking force annihilating everyone. It's better when Alabama isn't the only goddamn team that can win. Um, right. So to cover more things like that, it, this I think, I think just inherently this would kind of be more sports oriented. But it's another one of those things like it's... It is a good thing for TV when there's multiple good TV shows on multiple networks. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a good thing for your local restaurant industry when there's a bunch of great restaurants. Um, I think there's this I think there's this like idea that like restaurants are competing against each other. And to some degree they are. They're more or less competing with each other, with, uh, you know, your local diner, your local um, your your local greasy spoon diner and your local five star restaurant are both fighting um, chain restaurants. They're both fighting right. that kind of stuff. And it's better when those are good because it's better for everyone when you have more options like that. So that would have been kind of the gist for that that potential episode. Oh, yeah. Now that's actually awesome. <laughs> and I'm not going to lie. Like between college football and restaurants, there's five episodes right there. No yeah, problem. Probably, like, probably. There really is a lot of fucking material in there. Definitely. Um, so there was the greater good. There was, um, also potentially if you, if you didn't, I figured you'd pick October, 
so I didn't really get I didn't have like a ton of thought into this one in particular but I was kind of like political horror would be something kind of interesting to jump into um, however we wanted to do that like you know whether it was very straightforward political horror or like stuff that like political movies that you really could almost shade as horror movies um mm-hmm. stuff like that i mean it, they're believe me, I, like i said i'm like I, I assume that you're gonna pick october so i didn't put a ton of thought into this but political horror would have been kind of interesting oh yeah and like the, and the fact that there isn't an election coming up next year like not a major one anyway mm-hmm. so like that actually would be one of those times where we could we could do it and have it not look like we're just, you know, like working in political discussions about the current political climate exactly. to horror, you know, just for the, just for the click sake or whatever. It, yeah, exactly. Um, so that was it. Those are the only other ones that I had sort of hanging left over um, that we that I didn't, that we didn't touch on there. Um, any uh, let's see here real quickly. Oh, we got to give ourselves draft grades um, because I I love and that is this is heavy sarcasm. I love when when sports pundits after like you know the nfl draft or the nba draft immediately gives give a team an a or a b or a c or a d um i mean sometimes they're definitely like obvious like whenever the raiders draft just assume it's a d um at best because i mean do any other first round picks in the past five years or any of them on the team right now probably not um so those are bad drafts but like i hate like i can guarantee you someone out there gave the pistons an A for drafting Darko Milicic. I guarantee it. We could find it. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, I somewhere out there you could find somebody giving every team every possible grade. Like, there'll be somebody out there who probably thinks that the Chiefs drafting Mahomes was like an F grade or something mm-hmm. like that back then. Just the one guy trying to be funny, oh, you know? I, I, I can guarantee – I remember I remember during the, during the LeBron sweepstakes, during the 2003 draft, there were some people in Sports Illustrated that were – I'm pretty sure it's Sports Illustrated. It could have been the Sporting. No, it was Sports Illustrated. Like they did, they had like all their basketball columnists kind of like lay out, you know, their draft expectations. And there was one guy who was insistent that like the Cavs are making a mistake if they draft LeBron, that they should go for Darko Milicic. And I'm like, mm-hmm. like, sure, in theory, if Darko Milicic turns into essentially um, Dirk Nowitzki, um, it wouldn't have been a bad draft pick. But can you honestly tell me that basically anyone short of of Michael Jordan or Shaq or Kobe would be a better draft pick than LeBron? Yeah. No. I don't <laughs> like, think so. No. <laughs> yeah. No. Like, it doesn't matter how good they are. There's literally like four or five players that you would ever con- – in the history of the sport that you would ever consider better than LeBron. And that's it. Right. Oh, my God. There were people even that I remember that were upset that we didn't get Carmelo Anthony and stuff. Yep. Like, why? We should just draft the guy that, you know, took the team to the national championship. Like, Carmelo's hot. And it's like, yeah, we, we made the right decision. That's for sure. Yep. Yep. So uh, so if you had to give yourself an immediate draft grade, what is it? I mean, I've given myself an A all the way. Definitely. You know what? Just immediate reaction to me. I, I think I think you're correct. I think you get an A and I also get an A. Um, yes, basically because there's no way this could go wrong. Um, we, we made the, the correct picks, um, and, and there's, you can't tell me otherwise. No, there are picks aren't going to get hurt. They're not going to get hurt during practice. Like these are picks that are going all the way. These Absolutely. Are Hall of Fame picks. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Any, any final thoughts before we uh, shut this one down? Just, it was another fucking great year, man. It really was. The theme idea worked out very, very, very well all around a fantastic year. 
it was a really great year. Um, it was a lot of fun. Even even in some of the stuff that we had to kind of patch together, like the best of month, um, even that was like kind of fun to do to just sort of like to have us revisit those episodes and kind of like introduce yeah. them was an interesting little tactic. And it was it was very interesting to go back and actually like listen to listen to that episode like just to I I, I will forever find this funny. How insistent you and I were both about DC and the year 2020. Um, yeah, and obviously the, the 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 planet had different plans, but even even without a pandemic, none of that works out. <laughs> like, right, I none know. of it works out. I know, I know. Like, believe me, we're listening to the RoboCop episode and listening to you and I get progressively drunker was a fucking time. I will yeah. tell you that. <laughs> that yeah, was funny good. as hell. Um, so it was a great time. Um, I'm, it's unfortunate that you have to take a step back, but obviously totally understand. But this has been a blast doing this with you. Um, and I look forward to, I look forward to you rejoining whenever you can. Just, as you know, just drop me a fucking message, drop me a note like, hey, I can, I'm available this week or whatever. And, uh, you know, if we can, we can, we'll work it out because you've been, you've been fucking awesome. Um, it's been awesome to fucking do this with you. Like, seriously, it's been, it's been, these have been some of the most fun nights, just fucking talking, talking movies, talking music, talking all the other shit that we talk with you. It's, it's been awesome. Dude, I completely agree. It's been, it's been a goddamn blast. It really fucking has. I've learned so goddamn much, even at the age of 38 years old, it's, you could still learn a lot and still become a better person as I feel I have taken this opportunity to do in some way, shape, or form. And believe me, man, I have enjoyed it. And whenever I can't get the availability, you fucking bet I'm coming back. So Absolutely. Awesome. Do you want to you close this out? I definitely will. You bet, dude. Everybody out there, thank you so much for tuning into the last episode of 2022. This is the Occasionalist Podcast. Find us, stream us, rate us, do whatever the hell you have to do as long as you are listening. Adam Chevalewski and Matthew Pagel wishing you the best. Thank you, everyone.